Just because you wrestle alligators for a living doesn't mean you should have the skin of one. Say goodbye to dry and cracked skin with Old Spice Super Hydration Body Wash with Vitamin B3. Made for 24-7 renewing moisturization with daily use. With scents of vanilla and shea, people will think you've taken up candle making as one of your hobbies. And there is nothing wrong with that. Old Spice Super Hydration Body Wash. Shop Old Spice now. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Ali Moreno, Stevie Nicol and Kay Murray here in the studio and we're going to talk about blue cards. Oh, yeah. Even though oh. uh, IFAB has postponed the introduction of blue cards as part of trials of Simbins in professional football, reportedly anyway, because they were due to announce the protocols on Friday, but as of now, no announcement, and it's expected that it will be made after IFAB's annual general meeting in early March. Stevie, now that you're on the panel, I really wanted to get your reaction. Were you blue in the face when you heard this news? Oh, well, I was red in the face. <laughs> what an absolute lot of noise. Nonsense. Do you know the hardest job in a game of football lies with the referee? He's got the toughest job. We just go and play. The coach is coach. The, re- the referee's got to get things right all the time. Every, every time he makes a decision, he's got to get it right. Or either that side's going crazy, that side's going crazy. The cow's got... That's why we brought in VAR, because it's such a tough job. And on top of that, you want to give him another job? <laughs> I'll be a stupid job as well. Does it not make his job easier to be able to get them out of his face? No, because he's got. No, because he's got. Well, he's already got that. It can give him a yellow card to get him out of his face. But then, knowing that they're going to, they could be taken out of the game for a period of time. Does that not make them think twice then about that? Oh no! What's the difference? (laughs) What's the difference between a red and blue card? <laughs> you know you're going to get a yellow, so why would you? A yellow so, and blue card. So hold on a minute. So, so because it's going to be blue, you understand you shouldn't say anything, but you'll get a yellow for, for doing the same thing previously. So what would stop you doing it previously? That a blue card's going to make you not do it this time. Right. It's just madness. Well, let me simplify it. Are you against a sin bin in football? Aye, absolute nonsense. Mm. There's nothing wrong with what goes on now. If you, if you, if you. Give a foul away that's egregious enough, you get a yellow card, and that is telling you, one more and you're off. End of story. Easy peasy. Everybody understands it. Everybody that watches the game, that follows the game, understands it. We get it. And now you're going to start throwing different coloured cards in. For what? Of all the things... Of all the things in this game that we can address as issues that perhaps are ongoing, I never really thought that the yellow and the red card was an issue. It's pretty well defined. To Stevie's point, if a tackle is bad enough, it's a red car, right? If it's not bad enough, it's a yellow car, and we move on with our lives. In introducing this blue car, now you are essentially changing the nature of the game for very specific circumstances, and very specific circumstances that are not well defined. Because we'll look at a challenge, Stevie will look at a challenge, and I look at a challenge, and man, that's probably more than a yellow, but less than a red. So I guess that's the, that's the space in which this blue card would live. That's this niche where this blue card would live. Why are we changing the nature of the game for a niche decision? For a very specific moment that happens seldom in a game. Usually we have a very well-defined difference between what looks like a red card and what looks like a yellow card. And now we're just changing the nature of the game. It just feels like IFAB and these people sit in a room and they're trying to justify their existence and just kind of come up with some sort of regulation that it is intended to improve the game. But in this case, it doesn't improve the game. It models the game. It actually, it actually makes it more complicated. It actually makes it more frustrating. I'll give you an example, if we're going to go along this sort of blue card route. You get a guy who commits a foul that is worthy and gets to the threshold of being a blue card. He gets a blue card. The captain or whoever else from that team comes in and apparently goes overboard with his descent. And now he gets a blue card too. Is that, is that what's happening? So now we're taking two players into the sin bin? Is, is, this, is this because there's no stopping it? But wouldn't you be thinking twice if one of your players was already in the sin bin then? No, no you're not. Because, you're, no, you're changing the nature of the game. You're changing... You're taking away, first of all, in the human interaction that can happen between a referee and a player where the referee holds, in this case, the power because he is the one that is 
carrying out the laws of the game. And if indeed he feels that a player has gone overboard with his behavior, here's your yellow card. And if that player turns around and reminds him of his mother or somebody else in his family, here's another yellow card, you need a red card, he gone. Take care. That's it. It's it's already taken it's already care of. It. It's already there. It's already built into the in, into the into the structure of the game. So what are we not, what are we trying to do? What are we trying to add to the game? It's already there. Yeah. So why do you think Frank was in favor of it yesterday? Oh. Frank LeBuff, does that surprise you? He felt like, yeah, because he felt like the guys were seeing all the worst-case scenarios of this, and he thought there was room to look at an idea like this. Let's be honest. Do you understand what goes on in Frank's head? <laughs> <laughs> let's, be, let's be honest about that. If there was anybody going to agree with it, it would be Frank. No offence, Frank, but really? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, no. And I, sent, I, 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 watched, I watched Frank's argument, right? <laughs> I'm a fan of the show. I was watching Frank's argument, and he's trying to say, well, because they do it in rugby. And it works in rugby. What's a different sport? First of all, different sport. And they don't quite have the same structure in terms of the cars that's, that our sport does. So the concept of the yellow car doesn't quite exist. They, they, and so See, they, they, they deal with it in a different manner. But if, if, we, if indeed we're just going to reason and, and somehow justify why this change would take place by saying, it's because they're doing it, then my goodness, where does it stop? Where does it stop? This part of the game, this part of the game, the yellow and, and red car situation, discipline, does not need changing. Other things you might argue, but this doesn't have a, an issue. It's only become an issue because they've made it an issue. Are you just going to say something then, or are you done? No, it's, it's just double, double down on, on what we've already said. You know, the, the, rugby, the whole rugby thing, it's a yellow card. And it's always, you've always left the field. It's not anything new. It's nothing new. So we're not, we're not following anything. It's, it makes no sense. You've already got a rule in place, so why are you putting another rule that's different to the one you got in place that does the same thing? <laughs> There's a lot to talk about on tomorrow's show. I don't know, I'm going to give Frank a call later. Uh, yeah, I'm going to leave sure. it. Sure, go ahead. It's I'm going to leave it to Sebi tomorrow. Yeah. Sebi's going to be back across the weekend. We'll see if blue cards come up once again. I'm sure that they will. But yeah, make sure to be with us for tomorrow's show because it's a massive day in both the Bundesliga and La Liga. Lots to talk about with both of those top of the table battles there. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at alienware.com deals. That's alienware.com deals. Passion, drive and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more, whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with eBay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply Title race Saturday, Real Madrid against Girona. Real Madrid leading the table by two points. They've only lost once all season. That was to Atleti. Girona have only lost once all season as well. That was to Real Madrid. We'll see what happens at the Bernabeu when the two face off. Carlo Ancelotti, however, said it will not be the title decider that everybody seems to think it is. Obviously, if we win tomorrow, he said, we'll have the advantage. But the season is still very long. We're well positioned and so are Girona. Tomorrow's game won't decide anything. The 
league won't be decided tomorrow, whatever happens. Mm. Is that the case, Ale? Well, technically, no, it won't be decided, but there is no coming back if Girona loses to Real Madrid. I, I don't think Girona is able to generate enough sense of confidence and belief to be able to overcome Real Madrid and to be able to overcome Real Madrid twice. And the reason I say that is, is if you lose tomorrow, you already lost at home. If you lose tomorrow, well, of course, you've lost the head-to-head. -head. So in order to beat Real Madrid to the title, not only do you have to catch Real Madrid, you actually have to be above Real Madrid. And so, for all intents and purposes, I tell you what. If Real Madrid beat Girona tomorrow, this is done. Barcelona is not catching Real Madrid. Atletico Madrid is not catching Real Madrid. And I don't think Girona is going to have enough to push Real Madrid to the end. So, Steve, are you pulling a face there? Yeah, I'm with Ali. I, I, I see Real Madrid winning this game. I think, I think they've got too much, not just ability-wise, but experience, the whole... You know, when you're playing against the side like Girona, you... you a lot of people would say, well, they're going to, they're, they're going to be big-headed because they're only playing Girona. Well, Real Madrid have seen it and done it and been there, and they understand that as good as they are, they know that they have to be at it, even though it's Girona. And that's a big difference, you know. When, you, when you've got that steely determination and that mentality that regardless of it being a minnow, you produce your best when it matters most, that's what's going to happen. I remember years ago we played a team called Norwich, who are now in the championship. They were second in the league, sat behind us, exact same position that they were in. The so it was that type of season that they were the surprise they were side. They were the surprise but team. But nobody expected it. But, but, but we, we understood that they were playing well, but we also understood and we knew that at our best, we're way better than them. And so it was easier to focus. We weren't focusing on, oh, we're playing minnows and this, this could be an incredible year for a, for a small team to win the league. We weren't, we weren't thinking about any of that nonsense. We were like, you know what, we beat them today. I'm thinking the way Ali is. Mm. We beat this team today. Nobody's going to stop us. And that will focus them. So don't expect Real Madrid to be anything other than getting after this team. And I think Girona will be a little nervous. I think, I think this, this Madrid side and, wins. And, and Real Madrid, when they get in trouble in La Liga... It's because they're overlooking opponents. It's because they're thinking about something else. It's because, honestly, they're not quite engaged from the very first moment of the game. And so it kind of takes me back to the game against Almeria at home, where they're thinking about something else, quite frankly. And they don't show up in the first half, and they get in trouble, and they have to come back late, and they have to win the game that matter. That doesn't happen against Girona. If you're Real Madrid... If you're Girona, and you're a Girona fan, and you're looking at this, and you're saying, OK, well, maybe, maybe... Real Madrid is going to overlook us. Maybe Real Madrid is going to underestimate us. That's not happening because you've had too good of a season. And so you are going to get the fully engaged version of Real Madrid. And Real Madrid right now has too many questions defensively and too many issues with potential injuries and who plays and who doesn't play that it's going to force them to, uh, to Stevie's point, to be fully focused on the task at hand. They're not taking anything for granted. They're not overlooking Girona, and they look this at this as an opportunity to make the statement and say, you've had a great season. It's been great. It's been a cute story, but you're not at this level. Well, let's they have the chance now to do that as Santiago Bernabeu at home. Let's go with the defensive side of things, because we spoke to Alex Kirkland to give us a predicted 11, and obviously with the way things are looking in the defence, it is looking to be Chiumeni and Rudiger, who's the hope is that he's going to be back for this game. Now, this would be the third time that they've played as a centre-back pairing. Two previous to that were at the Bernabeu. No goals were conceded, but obviously it's not a usual centre-back pairing. So if there's something that you are looking at for Girona, Stevie, it has to be this, like, how is it when you're playing with a partner in the centre of defence that you're not usually playing with on a weekly basis? Well, the problem you've got there is that two many is a smart and really good football player. And, and yes, the little nuances that you get with playing in a position for a, for a long period of time, two many is too good to look like a novice. And I think the fact that Rudiger's going to be playing as well is huge, not just for, for two many, but also for Real Madrid. And if you're Girona, if you're really concentrating on what's going to happen with Chiumeni and Rudiger, I'm afraid you've got other things that you need to worry about and what's going on in front of the two centre-backs. I would suggest that Girona have a lot more things to concentrate on than worrying about Rudiger and Chiumeni. 
because you're talking about two world-class football players who, as you said, two and many might be out of position, but this guy can play anywhere on the field. He plays football regardless whether it's up front, the middle of the park or defensively. He's a football player. So I don't see this being a real problem, to be honest. I think Girona's problems are going to be, how do we get to Rudiger and Chiuameni? That's what their biggest problem is. Well, let's go there then with Artem right. Dovbik. If he does play as a striker, is he not looking at that, going, OK, I'm going to try and exploit this somehow? No, and, and he has been really good for Girona. And, and, and when you look at the attack of Girona, they have been explosive. They have been dynamic. But in order to do that, Girona have decided, and this is, this is part of who they are, is the identity, we're going to press higher up the field. We're going to get on your face. It's what they did against Barcelona. At Barcelona, they went and they pressed Barcelona, and they went and they got in their face. Barcelona doesn't quite have the ability of Real Madrid not only to break through the pressure, but get out in transition. So now if it becomes a game of transition and then go in the opposite direction, you have Vinny Jr. and you have Rodrigo, you have Bellingham running with the ball. You start looking at what the options are available to Real Madrid and how dangerous that can become for Girona. But this is who they are, right? This is what Mitchell does as a manager. We're going to press you and we're going to get on top of you and we're going to get on a back and forth. Against a team like Barcelona, yeah, you can get in the back and forth and expose some of the frailties that they have defensively. If you get in the back and forth with Real Madrid, first of all, they're going to be too organized for you to, for, for you to get on a back and forth. And then once they force a turnover, and once they go in transition, and it's Bellingham running with the ball, and it's Vini running with the ball, and it's Rodrigo running with the ball, who's stopping them? The transition game for Real Madrid is one of their strengths once they're able to break that first line of pressure with the quality of midfielders that they have. So Tony Kroos on the ball. Just picture this. Girona comes and press. They don't win that initial ball. Tony Kroos gets on the ball. Now it's a through ball to Vinicius Jr. And now Girona are chasing back. So they're going to be so concerned about minding what's going on in the transition defensively that they, it's going to take away from what they do offensively and some of the things that they have done over the course of the season. So do, how do they approach it then, Stevie? Do they change the way they've been playing or do they still come at Real Madrid the way they've been playing this season? Um... Listen, it's always best if you can go and play your game. You know, and, and the problem Girona has is the best teams, that's what they do. They say, well, you know what, you're going to have to change for us. Do we really think that Girona can go to the Bernabeu against Real Madrid and play toe-to-toe? -to -toe? They can't. They can't. You know, I think, I think you're asking for trouble. I think they're going to have to do, a, they're going to have to do an Arsenal against Liverpool last weekend. Just figure out where you're where your, your line of confrontation is, and try and keep solid. And then if you can get it, if you can steal something, then it gives you something to hold on to. But if they think they're going to go to the Bernabeu and open up and, and try and play on the front foot, and we Ali, they're going to get cut open. They really are. It's not Barcelona, you know, and, and it's not Barcelona, and, and it's not even a home game for Barcelona. That makes a huge difference. So the fact that this game is at the Bernabeu means they cannot go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. If it was at Girona... With the crowd behind you, maybe you can do it. You don't do it at the Bernabeu. Now, there was an interesting co uh, quote from Savio before the game. He's obviously really stood out the winger for Girona this season, made a huge difference to this side. He was asked about his idol. And he said Ronaldinho was crazy good. He was a very talented player with the ball. Ronaldo Nazario too, although he was more of a scorer. My idol in football history is Real Madrid's Rodrigo. Now, Savio's 19, Rodrigo's 22. Three. Okay, yeah, just get Savio, listen, you've had a great season, buddy, and you're playing really well. And you have been one of the best players in La Liga, one of the most dynamic players in La Liga. And he loves him some Rodrigo. But I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Savio, I don't believe you. He surely doesn't believe himself. No. He can't no. believe that either. Why say this then? Well, it's, it's, it's sort of this mind game. I'll throw something out there for Rodrigo to hang on to. It's sort of a... a Honestly, it's a, quite frankly, I think it's more of a joke than anything else. It's, it's almost as if to say, everybody thinks that Real Madrid is so great, so my idol is Rodrigo, yeah. We, we look up to Real Madrid. We're going to play this role of we are the underdogs, and of course, Real Madrid is so great and wonderful, and we were so fortunate that we're on the field with them. That sort of thing is what's going on here. I don't believe you, Savio, and neither do you. Oh, he's been dazzling us all with his tricks. No, he's been great. <laughs> he's been is he, great. Is he dazzling us with his quotes here, with what he's got to say, Stevie? Well, he, at least he's not... Listen, as much as we're, as, as we're thinking what is he on about, he could have gone the other way and said something really, really stupid <laughs> and wound Real Madrid up. At least he's being nice yeah. and giving us all a giggle. 
right. <laughs> but hey, Girona is a dangerous team. Let's not, let's, let's not, let's not, because I think part of what has happened this season is a lot of, a lot of teams have said, ah, this is not going to last. This is not going to last. This is going to last. And here we are in February, and it's lasting, right? So there are a lot of good things that they're doing. And most of all is that they believe in what they're doing. There is an identity to who they are. Mitchell has this team playing a certain way, and there's a lot of rotation, a lot of moving parts. My problem is in those rotations and in those moving parts, when you have a team with the experience and the qualities of Real Madrid, they can exploit some of the mismatches. And if they exploit the mismatches, you're going to suffer if you're Girona. Well, so far it is just two points between them in the table at this stage of the season. And it has been a brilliant story from Girona. But obviously, Real Madrid are favourites going into it. They're at the Bernabeu. They beat them in the reverse fixture away from home. What's your score prediction, Ale? You're not on the coverage of this. No, I am not. You usually would be. Uh, Look, it was was 3-0 away from home. I think it's similar. I think it's 3 nothing at the Bernabeu. And maybe some stressful moments to begin with, but for the most part, I'm going to take Real Madrid in a dominant performance. And once they score, Girona is going to feel like they're going to have to really get after Real Madrid. Worst mistake that you can make because now you really open yourself up. 3 nothing Real Madrid. Stevie? I'll go 3-3 three, three Real Madrid. Girona might nick a goal. 3-1, mm. but Madrid win. Oh, wait, well, you're so disappointed, Kay. Okay. You think, think we're going to go, no, Girona's going to completely turn this around and... Go to Bernabeu and they're going to destroy Real Madrid. No, I don't think they're going to destroy them. I think it might be a little bit closer. Okay, so who are you picking, Kay? Real Madrid. Okay. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see, anyway. <laughs> now, listen, since Xavi announced that he would be leaving at the end of the season as Barcelona coach, we've heard from Robert Lewandowski for the first time. And he said, being a Barcelona coach or player is a lot of pressure. It's normal and the team or the club is in a more difficult moment than before with a squad with very young players. Expectations are always very high. I understand what all this means to him. He's from Barcelona. He was a player and now he is a coach. From an emotional point of view, it is very difficult and I understand him perfectly. Okay. How about you say, I'm really going to miss him or <laughs> I wish he was staying. Do you think he it's is all... really going to miss him? Well, it doesn't sound like it and that, that, does it? I mean, it's a very sensible statement from a mature player. Uh-huh. But if I'm Xavi, I think I want a little I wish he was staying or something. There's not, there's not a complimentary comment about Xavi there. Did we really expect to see one? Well, no. Okay, well, honestly, so he said a lot of things without saying anything, really, and nothing that we didn't know. I think both of us could have stood in front of the microphone and given you exactly the same quote and given you exactly the same thing and would have had exactly the same meaning. Nothing. This means nothing. Yes, it's an acknowledgement of what Xavi, what we already know Xavi is. He's not telling us something that we don't know, that he's a Barcelona legend, he was a player, now he's a coach. Okay, it's a statement of fact. Great. What do we do with that? And what does Xavi do with that? If you're being supportive for your manager, if you understand his decision, then come out and say so as such and say, you know what? We wish he was staying, but we understand his decision. There was none of that. Yeah. It, was, it was just a statement of fact after statement of fact after statement of fact. Things that we already know, there was nothing in this code that was overwhelmingly supportive. Yeah, said a lot without saying anything. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that's what we heard from Robert Lewandowski. But more La Liga action coming for you this weekend. Uh, Barcelona up against Granada on Sunday. But obviously the big one this weekend is Real Madrid against Girona. A top-of-the-table battle with just two points between them. Be sure to be with us for all of these games. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. 
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Borussia Dortmund played out a 3-0 win over Freiburg on Friday night in the Bundesliga. It keeps up their record for 2024. They remain unbeaten in the calendar year. Goals from Daniel Marlin and Nicholas Fulkrug on his birthday. Ali Moreno, mm. we'll uh, welcome in Archie Rintop, but I do want to hear from you first. Okay. Thoughts on today's game from Borussia Dortmund's point of view? Uh, comfortable, no drama, no stress. So very much unlike Borussia Dortmund. Usually, with this team, when they take a step forward, there's usually a step backwards at some point. And it hasn't been the case. They were disappointed against Heinham next last week. But today, there was a reaction, a team that had a plan in place. They were dynamic in the attack. Daniel Malen and his relationship with Nichols Fulkrug seems to be developing. Fulkrug and his hold-up play brings everybody around him and involves them, all the underneath players, involves them in the play as well. They were very good in the attack. There were no mistakes in the back, no unnecessary turnovers, no drama, no problem, no issues, nothing to see here, Borussia Dortmund, 3-0. Yes, a dominant win. Hey, what do you know? <laughs> At least on the pitch, that is, hey. Uh, actually, in top pitch side that the signal is doing a park for this one today. Archie, I know that you think that this is probably one of the more comfortable Borussia Dortmund wins you've seen this season. It was. And if Ale says no drama one more time, then I think he's going to break out into singing My Humps by the Black Eyed Peas. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I was surprised by just how... how <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> There's a reference. I was surprised by the lack of it because drama has been something that has been symbolic of Borussia Dortmund in the worst ways for them in the last season and a bit. And for them to have such a smooth sail through this game was quite unusual. And I'm, I think that the impact that Ian Matson has in terms of giving them a certain security in their build-up play and having somebody who is so good on the ball... Is, has really stood out to me because with Rami Benzabaini in the team, that just hasn't been there. And he's somebody who is such a good footballer that they've lacked that since Rafael Guerrero left for Bayern Munich in the summer. So very encouraging. Also because usually in, in such games where Borussia Dortmund are the overwhelming favourites, it doesn't mean that the opposition aren't allowed at least one glorious chance on goal. And I can't remember Gregor Kobel having to do his usual Superman act. So, a very encouraging night from a Dortmund perspective. Uh, let's not forget as well, when it comes to the Champions League, even though the title might not be in their sights right now, in the Bundesliga, in the Champions League, they topped the group of death when so many wondered how they would fare in it. And for that, they get to face PSV Eindhoven. The first leg is away. And this is where I suppose a lot of the attentions go right now. Borussia Dortmund, favourites going into this clash. Favourites for you as well, Stevie? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, PSV undefeated in Holland, but it's a different ball game, the Bundesliga to the Dutch League. Um, and they've shown, going through that group of death, how good they can be when they're all at it. And, and they've got so much experience. They've got ability and they've got pace and they've got some youth, but they've got a vast amount of experience in that team. And I think that experience will, will show when they play against PSV over two legs. So, yeah, I, I think absolutely, 100%. Borussia Dortmund are the favourites to go through. And so building this 2024 form can only help in this Champions League campaign, oh, Ali. One would assume. And while I agree to, with everything that Stevie just said about Borussia Dortmund, about the pace, about the experience, about some of the young, talented players that they have, I'm with you, Stevie. Mm. The thing that I would say about Borussia Dortmund is they don't deal with being the favourites very well. Being the favorites is something that gets this team, and I mentioned in our coverage, makes this team jittery, makes this team uh, uncertain. It's like, oh, no, wait a minute. There's expectation on us, placed upon us, that we should be beating PSV, that we should get past and get on to the next round. These are things that in the past from this group of players, not a past group of players, but this group of players, they have had difficulties with those expectations. And so that's the one thing that worries me. However, as it pertains to performances, if indeed they're able to carry out some of this same momentum that they seem to be building in Bundesliga into Champions League, yes, they should get past PSV and then see what happens in the draw and see where you end up. 
As for Borussia Dortmund, the expectations overall in Champions League, well, let's not get crazy. Let's not get carried away. Regardless, they should be better than PSV. How do the fans feel, Archie, about the expectations point of view for Borussia Dortmund, especially with your eye on that Champions League game for them? For the fans, it's the most important thing, I think, is that they are able to get through this, this game against PSV, but they will also have an eye on who's on the opposite coaching bank, and that's Peter Bosch, who you might remember was not so long ago the coach of Borussia Dortmund and flew off to an amazing start in the season when he was in charge, but then they tailed off very quickly by playing this ultra-attacking style of football. And as you can see at PSV right now, it's working out in a big way. And given the way that the narrative with Borussia Dortmund seems to work right now, there's something about them getting through the group of death and then getting knocked out by an old coach of theirs that speaks to me as a puzzle piece fitting together. I, I, I stand with Ale when it comes to those views on Borussia Dortmund and coping with the pressure and, and, those, and that jitteriness. And I think that that still exists from the fans as well. I was here for that day against Mainz when they lost the title. And things like this are going to be burnt hard into the fans' conscience as well. So, yeah, they, they do look improved, but I would say they've also not played yet anybody of real strength in the Bundesliga so far this season. Heidenheim are the strongest team they've played so far and they drew nil-nil against them. So, yeah, I'm still waiting to be convinced by this Dortmund team. Let's talk about what's going on on Saturday at the top of the table. Bayer Leverkusen against Bayern Munich. Bayer Leverkusen unbeaten in all competitions all season. Bayern Munich, if they can become the first team to beat them in this campaign, they will go top of the table. Kicker here going with two points, two worlds. Let's hear I, from I, Xabi I thought you were reading it. Alonso ahead of it. I was. Having changed the preparation and the ideas for, for tomorrow we stick, but... We are facing Bayern, and that's the reality. And to, when you are facing Bayern, you you need to to be uh, to 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 deliver more to to be able to beat them. Well, at least they'll have a lot of fans on their side via Leverkusen, especially if Thomas Tuchel is to be believed. He says, we're playing against a lot of neutral fans who want Leverkusen to win the title, but we're playing for our expectations and for the title. It happens in tennis when you play against Roger Federer. You're always playing against his aura and the neutral fans because of his elegance and apparent ease. All this makes it more challenging for Rafa Nadal and Novak Djokovic. It's the same with us, which makes it even more difficult. Now, Archie, I wanted to ask you, is this the feeling in Germany that everybody's on the side of Leverkusen wanting them to beat Bayern? For the most part, yes. I did speak to one Dortmund fan who said, look, given that Leverkusen have this big company behind them, uh, what difference does it make if Bayern win yet another title so I'd go with them? Which shows you how browbeaten many German football fans are, but... Overall, overwhelming majority. What has made Leverkusen a lot more attractive to German football fans is the Chabi Alonso factor. He does have this level of swagger and smooth charm that I think endears him to so many people. And I know Ale's thinking, yeah, yeah, you're just saying this because he seems to like you. But I'm telling you what <laughs> I see from the fans here. Like they do, there, there is this something, there is this allure that he has to him and this respect that he commands from being a former World Cup winner, Champions League winner, league title winner where, well, not, not wherever he went, as Liverpool fans will know, but it is something that quite special that he has. Yeah, uh, because obviously Xavi Alonso and Archie are best friends now because when Archie's pitch side, Leverkusen don't lose and Xavi Alonso's noticed this and so all the pressure actually on Saturday is on Archie in Tut. Mm. This quote from Thomas Tuchel though, mm. it feels as though he's not talking about the team. It feels as though he is talking about Xavi Alonso playing against his aura, his, the elegance, the apparent ease because mm. it's not been apparently easy for Leverkusen so far. They've had to battle for some of those wins. But Xabi Alonso does have that feel about him. Uh, yeah, and so, and so does Bayer Leverkusen. And I think it has been a very clear contrast in between Bayer Leverkusen 
and Bayern Munich. And we have mentioned this time and time again, that you look at Leverkusen and there, there is a sense of team, there's a sense of identity, of a planning place, of teamwork, togetherness, confidence, a sense of belief. You see it happening, it's in front of you. I, this is not something I'm making up, it's every week you see them playing, you kind of go, okay, I see something different about this group as compared to Bayern Munich, where you cannot say that there is this, this sense of belief or this plan or this organization or this identity. We haven't seen it consistently from Bayern Munich. We really haven't seen what we deem to be the best version of this team just yet. Now, they have in, in front of them a chance, a unique opportunity with all the things that we think have gone wrong with Bayern Munich. They're still two points behind, and now they play against Bayer Leverkusen. So here's the chance for you to be that team, the big bad wolf, the team that everybody's afraid of. What I would say to the comments of Thomas Tuchel, and I would be very careful when Thomas Tuchel says something like this, because while he is mentioning and drawing parallels to Roger Federer, eventually Nadal became more of a Grand Slam winner than Roger Federer, as much as we love some Roger Federer. Djokovic then came above Nadal and above Roger Federer. So my point is, I don't know that it makes a whole lot of sense for you to bring this up, because what you're saying is that Leverkusen, <laughs> Leverkusen will take over the Roger Federer, in this case, Bayern Munich. So he was obviously listening when you were saying all that, because I stopped. After, after he said Roger Federer, I stopped listening. So, so let me ask you this then, because to Ale's point, we're talking about how Leverkusen, it's very clear to see, it's a team of individuals all fighting for one another to yep. make a team, where with the Bayern team, you see those names, it's massive names, but the feeling is that they're not all working together as a team, yep. that they're not all fighting for each other. Just how much of a difference that does make, Stevie, when you're inside that team, on both sides of it? Well, it's, it's huge, and, and if you look at it on paper, it's, it's chalk and cheese. The problem is that Bayern have got match winners. They've got game winners. Whether they're playing well or whether they're not. And I think they've got more match winners than Leverkusen. And that's the only thing that Leverkusen have to worry about. You know, I, I'm listening to all of this and I'm thinking about all the interviews after games that Archie had with both managers. You know, with Alonso, when things weren't going well, he came around to, well, eventually we figured it out and we did all the things that we've been trying to do. Whereas Tuchel's interviews, it's, I've no idea. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I mean, during the week, we were fantastic in training, but as <laughs> soon as the whistle... I mean, so two completely different ways of going about it. One's getting there, but they're not sure how. The other team, who's sitting in the top right now, absolutely knows what they're doing. Now, if I've got a choice, I want to play on the team that knows what they're doing. Mm. But... The one problem they have is Bayern Munich have got more game winners for me, and that's the biggest problem that they'll have. Actually, it's just two points, though, as well, and it's only two points between them, and it feels like we're talking all the time, and maybe we're at fault a little bit for this. Oh, Bayer Leverkusen, look at how amazing they are, but Bayern Munich are just two points behind them. Is it really that bad? Bayer Leverkusen are playing the third best season in the history of the Bundesliga in terms of points. Bayern Munich, despite all these performances that we've seen from them throughout this season, are playing the sixth best season that's ever been played in the Bundesliga. And it just hasn't felt like that because of what we've mentioned, because of the fact that Bayern lack this positive arrogance that you would expect of them, that comes with this, no matter what's happening, we're going to play our way and the sort of certainty you would expect of the names in their squad. And I think that's what's so encouraging for Leverkusen, even if they do miss Victor Boniface a little bit up front, who brings a, an unpredictability that sometimes I don't think he knows what he's going to do, but most importantly, the opponent doesn't know what he's going to do. And I think the amount of problems that he caused them, caused Bayern in the first game, lacking Ezekiel Palacios as well, I think that Bayern can afford to miss more players in their team than Leverkusen can, which could play a really telling impact tomorrow. But also, Bayern can't afford to lose this game more than, than Leverkusen can. I think that Leverkusen can come back from that. But the fact that Thomas Tuchel's also spoken in his press conference about wanting a statement performance is telling of how he really thinks this season's gone. Sure, the points are on the board, but he knows that performances are important because at Bayern Munich, as, as the head coach, you're not just getting 
rated and judged on those perform on on the results you're getting judged on the performances and if they're not up to scratch you might be wobbling in that coaching seat of yours what does it mean if Bayern Munich lose this game well, it's a reality check, I think, for everybody, for Thomas Suchel and from Bayern Munich, for the players who I think most of the season they have played with this, uh, with this arrogance that having won the league as many times as they have, I suppose you're entitled to this arrogance, but almost saying, we'll be there when it counts. We know we're good enough. We know we'll show up. We know we'll dominate games when we need to. We take it for granted. I think that's the arrogance that we have gotten from Bayern Munich so far this season. And, and to some degree from Thomas Tuchel as well. Almost as if to say, yeah, it hasn't been great, but here we are. And now we have an opportunity. You lose this match, it's a slap in the face. You lose this match, is that reality check that, that tells you you can't just stumble your way through the season. Being consistent, not play at your level, not really showcase the best version of your team, take it for granted, and then think that you're just going to get through it because you're Bayern Munich and because you have history on your side. you got to play the game on the field. And on the field right now, what we have seen, the evidence that we have seen, Bayern Leverkusen have been better than Bayern Munich. And so I agree with Archie. If Bayern Munich are to lose this game, I think... It's a much, much bigger statement for Bayer Leverkusen, for themselves, and it's, it signifies a whole lot more as well in terms of the failures of Bayern Munich. And it, it will become something that we're going to highlight and we're going to talk about because it is the big, mighty Bayern Munich losing, and that's a big deal at any point, but certainly when it creates a five-point gap at the top. Actually, just to go back to what Stevie was saying about the differences he's noticed when you've talked to the two coaches this season, how has it been for you? Because you're obviously the one speaking to them all the time. Because it's pretty interesting that Stevie's noticed that. And it's true what he's saying. We've seen Tuchel sometimes maybe a bit more prickly. And Xabi Alonso always seeming to be very calm after these matches. Nothing seems to phase Xabi Alonso. Whatever question I pose him... No matter what, it just seems like he's very much in his lane and he'll be going on in the same direction. Whereas with Thomas Tuchel, I sometimes think, okay, but what else are you saying with what you're saying here? And there's always something else that when he's answering a question, I'm thinking it's what you're not saying here that's interesting. Whereas, yeah, Chabi Alonso, I think, is, is much more... It's, it's more difficult to work out what, what he's saying. But I have to say that I agree with, with Stevie's appraisal of the situation. That it, it also says something, about the, it says something about the pressure that Thomas Tuchel is under. He, he is aware of how, how actually it's very difficult to win as Bayern Munich coach right now because there's been so much winning in the recent history. But also the noises that he's made in the press here suggest that how happy is he in Germany right now? I, I wouldn't say that he's giving the, the impression that he wants to be at Bayern forever. And were he to leave the club in the coming summer or, or not long after that, I wouldn't be terribly surprised because I think that the Premier League is something that's very attractive to him. All right, we're going to take a look at the odds for this one. It's pretty much even Stevens, and it was the last time they played as well. It was a draw between the two sides. Stevie, it sounds as though you think Bayern are going to win, though. Which one? <laughs> this game. I just always find it hard to go against teams like Bayern when it comes to crunch games. So you're going for a draw or a win for them? I don't think Bayern Munich lose. Which, again, is a good result for Bayer Leverkusen. I just, I just think in the big games, being there before, having done it before, even though you're not playing well and you're up against it, you know, the big players rise to the occasion. And this is, this is the biggest game of the season in Germany, no question. But you're struggling. I am. Yeah. <laughs> you're convincing yourself that you're struggling. Yeah, I don't think Bayern loses, put it that way. Right. Ali. Oh, well, we have a whole pregame coming tomorrow. Oh, so we, oh we have to wait. I, I, well, of course we have to wait because if not, I've got to give you my prediction today, tomorrow and the day after. I don't feel like, we'll, we'll, ask, I, I don't don't feel like we'll ask Archie on the pregame. Should we try and get one from him? Yeah, Archie, sure. Have you got a feeling which way it's going to go? I'm actually with Stevie because I've been in this situation too many times before where you think, oh, Bayern Munich are wobbling. This Bayern Munich team in particular 
they lose when you least expect it and they win <laughs> and they win as well when yeah everyone's tipping against them and such was the way that Thomas Tuchel changed his plan for the Stuttgart game which in itself you could argue was a moral defeat in that they're having to change their game against a Stuttgart team which has a much smaller budget than them they did still neutralize their threat and the quality of their players carrying out the instructions if Thomas Tuchel has them all on board tomorrow says to me that with the amount of game winners they have, even if Florian Wirtz for me is the best player in the league right now in terms of the difference he can make, I think Bayern might sneak it. Oh no, the Archie magic <laughs> may have worn off on the side. What happened, what happened with the love? The love for Xavi Alonso, what? <laughs> Maybe this is his bluff. Maybe he's not saying what he really thinks. Anyway, make sure Tough to love. catch that game. It is Bayer Leverkusen against Bayern Munich. As you just heard, Archie Winter will be back pitch side again. We have a whole build-up for you from noon Eastern. Be sure to be with us. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. All right, that's all we've got time for in the latest edition of the show. These two are sticking around. Close down speed. Your questions on extra time. Stick around. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. Oh, you're, the you're, turn of pace moment. Oh, what? You don't have the question? <laughs> you need my change of pace? Oh, yes. <laughs> wait a second. I almost, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I don't have the questions here. <laughs> what do you mean? It's behind you. Oh, it's on the chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh. He was much faster. They just weren't where he thought they were. Oh. Oh. What happened? Oh, oh dear. All right. What happened? Oh. <laughs> Instead of the blue cards. Oh, here we, go. Oh, here, we go. here we go. How about we just add another yellow card into the mix? The first one is a caution. The second one sends you to a sin bin. And the third one gets you sent off. It would keep things simpler and address the issue of players going off for two soft yellows. That's the problem. That's all we needed, Stevie. Three yellows. <laughs> Why don't we keep it simple? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's really simple. That's really simple. That's, that's, that's even simpler yes. than that simple explanation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah. I don't think there's any point in going into this. We know he's against the sim bin. Why don't we make it four yellows then? <laughs> Oh, just oh, in okay. case the first two are really egregious. <laughs> are, you, are you for the sin bin? Is this what you're doing? No, but I'd love to see the trials of how it goes. That, that's it? Yeah. We're here for the trials? <laughs> is this what we want to do with our lives? I want to see so that they can report back and tell us what difference oh, okay. it made. <laughs> All right. I think we're getting more oh. questions over there, by the way. Oh, wow. Maybe. I think you need, you need yeah, yeah, uh-huh. You Thank you. Oh, same one. So, oh. How many questions have we got tonight? Oh, dear. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, number two. Looks like Frankie De Jong wants to leave Barcelona. Which team in the Premier League do you think would have him on top of their summer transfer target? Maybe Chelsea buying another hundred million midfielder, Stevie? No. 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 No chance. No. Absolutely no chance. Seems more like a Man United buy. You think Frankie De Jong would want to go to Manchester United? Well, well managers Dutch. Mm -hmm. So to start. If you were Frankie de Jong, would you rather stay at Barcelona or go to Manchester United? Oh, I'll stay at Barcelona. And, it, it, and it's, honestly, I would say that it's going to take something very special in order for me to leave Barcelona if I'm Frankie de Jong. Because let me just say this. Frankie de Jong was on his way out. 
He was one of the players that was sort of put out there because they were trying to make money so that they didn't have to pull levers and all this nonsense that were going on at Barcelona. And he has managed to now work his way into being, whatever you may think of Barcelona right now, one of the really important players for Barcelona. Most experienced players and one of the guys that they will look to in order to continue to rebuild this team going forward. If I'm him, I'm in a position of power and strength at Barcelona, where I wasn't before. I was sort of dangled out there. Now I'm in a position of power and strength. If I'm him, all things being equal, it's going to have to take something very special for me to leave a club like Barcelona. I've decided I don't want to sing in. No, good. No. I just thought of something in my head, some scenarios, and I was thinking, no, I don't. Yeah, if that's all it took? Yeah. So basically, you were not paying attention to my <laughs> answer at all. Is a problem. Is a While problem. I was talking, you were thinking about yeah. the sin bin. Okay, great. It's a problem, though. <laughs> you think you're young, you're looking at Real Madrid. Oh, well, that's... that's and, a... they've got, and they're getting Mbappe. Yeah. I mean, what are you doing? You're, going the, you're going the wrong way. Why are you bringing you? Real Madrid into it? Mm. Well, because you want to win things. You ain't going to win... You ain't going to win anything when, when they've got the players they have already and they're going to add Mbappe to it. And you've got to think that it can't be too long before they have another crisis with the finances. OK, maybe so, but what I'm so saying like, is... How long is this going to take? Mm -hmm. How long is this going to take? Now, I'm not saying you go to Man United because you could have the same argument about Man United. Uh -huh. You know, City and... Well, Klopp's leaving Liverpool. We don't know what's going to happen there. You've got Arsenal, but at the same time... Why, why would you not think about leaving? No, you think about it. I said you think about it, but it would have to be something really special. You don't just jump at, hey, Chelsea come come offering you whatever ridiculous amount of money. You look at that club and you go, wait, hold on a second. How is this a better situation than the one that I'm in right now? That's all I'm saying. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I, I listened to every word that you said. No, I, don't th I don't think you did, because you were thinking about the sin bin and the blue cards. And <laughs> it's interesting what you just said, Stevie, because do you think it's important for Barca and Liverpool to consult with club legends in their managerial search to help preserve the history and culture from those who built it? No, listen, because, because you were a club legend doesn't mean you know anything about picking a manager. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, let's, let's be fair, right? FSG didn't do a bad job of picking Jurgen Klopp, did they? So, I think I'm more than happy to trust them as opposed to former players to, to try and go and, and pick a manager. Yeah. No, I don't... I don't go along... I don't go along with that. I understand having former players and legends in and around the building and keeping certain bits of the culture. But in terms of being the so manager... Is that, is that not part of it? Would that not work a little bit the same way? Even to just be part of the consultation team? Yeah, but what do you... What, what do you... So, for example, what do I know about the managers around the world? I bet you know who, you, would, I bet you, know who you wouldn't want to be Liverpool manager, though. Right, but that's not hard. Most people should know who's not going to... You know, Steven Gerrard, you don't want Steven Gerrard, do you? I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure that one out. You don't want Steven Gerrard. Well, he's, he's already had a go at Aston Villa and then look how it worked out. So that doesn't, you know, it would have been fantastic for everybody if Steven Gerrard had worked out at Villa and became the Liverpool manager. That, that's a perfect scenario for Liverpool fans that, that a legend like Steven Gerrard becomes the manager of the club, but he becomes the manager on merit. Not, not because he used to play for the club or because the fans love him or any of that stuff. You know, FSG did a great job in getting caught. So I think we should let them do their job. You know, they'll have, they'll have people figuring out around the world who fits best as opposed to just asking former players, what do you think? Mm. Is it a little bit different with Barcelona though? Mm. Because it usually does feel like there has been a link with the club somewhere, a lot, a lot of the time, right? Well, first of all, I say that front page news of the Liverpool Echo, Stevie Nichol hates Stevie G. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it. Front page headline. Headline coming. As for your question regarding Barcelona, I actually think that it would be helpful for Barcelona to divert away from the idea of a club legend or a perceived club legend taking over the role of the manager. I think Barcelona needs a 2.0 version, needs something 
that forces their game to evolve. The Barcelona way, as great as it was at one point, right now you don't quite have the players to do that, to dominate the games in that manner, and so you have to change the personality of the group, and you have to change the way that you play and evolve into something that is rooted in your foundation as a club and is rooted into your ideals of a club, but that takes you to an entirely different level because right now they seem to be caught in between. They, they don't, they're not quite good enough with their possession to control games in the manner in which they did, which then limits their ability to press the ball when they lose it, limits their ability to create chances, and they're still having fragility in the back and in transition moments they get exposed. So you need a manager that can address all those things while still maintaining a connection to the ideals of Barcelona. That's not easy to do, and I don't think that happens with a club legend per se, I think you need a new, fresh idea to come in. Ali, how do you feel about how Inter Miami has handled their pre-season tour? Will all the travel and game time for Messi and co lead to a sluggish start to MLS's season? This is, you know, you dance with the devil, babe. This, you have Messi, babe. <laughs> you have Messi, babe. babe. You have Messi in your team, and you're gonna sell that around the world. And you're gonna, yes, you're gonna sell that around the world, and you're gonna take the money from all the different places that are offering you that money. And if you want to take that money, then you're sacrificing certain things. And if that means sacrificing the beginning of the season, I don't think Inter Miami is all that concerned, because you know what? What they're doing with their preseason tour is not out of the goodness of their heart. It's not to grow the game. It's not to expand the knowledge of the game or to somehow share the gospel of the game. This is for money. Money, money, money. They're going to the ends of the world because they're getting paid to do so. And then the club is going, well, we invested this much in the player. Now we're getting that money back and putting it right into our pockets. So if you lose a couple of games to begin the season, I don't think they care one bit. Oh, we need football, Al, now, the other football. Yeah. Ale, the NFL has agreed to play its first league game in Spain next year, uh -huh. taking place in Madrid at the Santiago Bernabeu. What kind of atmosphere do you think there will be? What teams would you like to see in that stadium? Oh, I don't, I don't know <laughs> what team specifically, but I can tell you that it's an effort I, of the NFL. Would you like to see your Cowboys there? Well, sure. Are they gonna, you're gonna, am I going? Somebody, somebody paying for me to go? What? Huh? Am, am I going to the Cowboys? Is the producer? Is the producer telling me I'm going to the Cowboys game in Madrid? Oh, I think he is. And that's not guaranteed, unfortunately. Uh, oh, all right. Baby. Well, look, it's and an yet another effort of the NFL to grow their brand and grow grow their space. And so the people are gonna go and they're gonna be excited about it. And but it's gonna be a one-off in terms of the level of excitement. It's not like the next week they're going to be saying, bring me another NFL game, I'd rather watch that than Real Madrid. But it's, it's, it's a way of the NFL to get their product out there, to continue to grow their brand. And again, as I just said about Inter Miami, this is not for the gospel of the game. This is money. Money, money, money. So they'll take people from Spain attending the game, they'll gladly take your money as they will those games that are happening around the world and it's a way to the NFL put their brand out there and grow their own space in the world brand. Ferrale, who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> Did I hear the Cowboys are going to Madrid? Um, am I, who am I rooting for? Well, I really don't care because the Cowboys are not in it, but if I am to root for anybody, I suppose love, baby. I'm going for love, love, yes. I'm Travis Bye -bye. Kelsey. Bye -bye. <laughs> And Taylor Swift, love. I'm going. I'm going for the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> oh, he's a Swifty. <laughs> All right. It's love. I'm going for love. It's National Pizza Day. Oh. Oh yeah. Who are you rooting for? Mahomes. I like Mahomes. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah. What about love? You like love? <laughs> no, I'll pass that up. <laughs> Where have you what? got homes across I'll pass the world? Pass that up, baby. <laughs> baby. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's National Pizza Day, so let's hear it. What's everyone's favourite? Pineapple. <laughs> Are you really a pineapple on a pizza pie? Why not? How Sausage. can you be when you're so fussy? Sausage and pineapple, fantastic. Together? Oh, lovely. 
Fantastic. That's sausage and pineapple oh, is your pizza well, topping. You've got a certain type of palate for that. Still seems a little bit adventurous <laughs> for you. <laughs> certain type of palate. Yeah. Is that, is yeah. that, is that the way that you eat fruit? <laughs> the educated <laughs> palate. Educated palate. Sausage and pineapple. Hey, Fantastic. Hey. Thin crust, albeit. It's got to be thin crust. Some of that big fat orange oh, stuff. Oh, oh sorry. Oh, the, the fat of the sausage has compensated for the rest yes. of it. Thin, thin crust. Yeah. The pineapple cancels them out because it's, it's a fruit. It's all about the mix. <laughs> they... See, the acidity of the pineapple <laughs> goes onto the sausage and smooths out that protein. Lovely. Smashy. <laughs> I don't know that that made sense, but all right. Very I'm rustic. Like... Very rustic. <laughs> well, you are very rustic. I am very rustic. <laughs> Uh, pepperoni, just classic. Very spicy? It doesn't have to be very spicy. If it's spicy, fine. If it's not, but I agree with you, thin, thin crust. Thin crust, yeah. But you Pretty don't agree with them on pineapple, right? I don't mind pineapple. I don't mind it. Really? I, don't, I don't say I'm ordering it, but you're so judgmental. You know what? Since you married an Italian guy, you became very judgmental. I, I, I didn't take that. I just had taste all oh, along oh, and knew to never oh, put pineapple oh, on a pizza. You just, no. Or pineapple. Just, just <laughs> being very judgmental about our food choices. Listen, all I'm saying is I'm never coming out for pizza with you two. No, I, I, ne <laughs> I never said I would order it, but if it's there, I'll eat it and it's fine. I don't, I don't dislike it. Watching Italians, I apologize for my panelists' choices of pizza. All right, that'll do it wow. for the latest edition of Extra Time. Babe. We'll be back tomorrow, <laughs> babe. <laughs> This awkward moment. Are we, are we going home or not? <laughs> what, what, what camera do we look at for that? <laughs>weeks into this year and the news is already non-stop two overseas wars a presidential election already testing the democratic process a former president in court it can feel exhausting borderline impossible to keep up with but we can help I'm Brad Milkey, the host of Start Here, the daily podcast from ABC News. Every morning, my team and I get you caught up on the day's news in a quick, straightforward way that's easy to understand with just enough context so you can listen, get it, and go on with your day. So kickstart your morning. Start smart with Start Here and ABC News because staying informed shouldn't feel like a chore.